Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of the sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Xvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep will drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will create new normals and impact your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every single rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you create a sales dynasty faster than you ever thought possible. We're excited to announce the release of the Exvoyant Sales Leadership eBook. This book features secrets of some of the world's greatest sales leaders. You'll be introduced to coaching tactics, the building blocks of high growth, and other insights you can apply to help how you lead your team. This book is free, no strings attached. So head to exvoyant.com, download the book, read it, and share it today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Amy Appleyard, Senior Vice President of Global Inside Sales for Carbon Black. Carbon Black protects organizations of all sizes from modern cyber attacks. The strength of their solution and the quality of the Carbon Black team has led to amazing growth worldwide. They have over 5,000 customers, which include one-third of the Fortune 100, and a rapidly growing mid-market presence. Amy's sales team is large and growing to fuel this fantastic sales growth. She thrives in the high-pressure, fast-paced environment and is passionate about helping others succeed, advocating diversity in the workplace, and in particular, helping women in technology. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Amy, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, I've been uh, been working to get you on this show. I, I've been following you, listening to you. You're doing amazing things. That's turning a lot of heads. I'm really excited to dive into what you, what you're doing at Carbon Black in particular, and in general, the things you're doing to help so many have so much success. I'm wondering if you could start, Amy, by just introducing to our listeners Carbon Black a little bit about your story, where you fit, and what you do for your customers. Yeah, definitely. So um, Carbon Black is a cybersecurity company based in Waltham, Mass., so we're right outside of Boston, and our mission is to keep the world safe from cyber attacks. So we protect, um, as you had mentioned in the, in the intro, um, organizations of all sizes from modern cyber attacks, and, and we do this through protecting the endpoint. So our belief is that that's kind of mission critical, um, and that's, that's the way that you can actually keep um, you know, attackers at bay is through protecting the endpoint. Um, so we serve customers of all shapes and sizes. My teams focus on the SMB, so 100 or more employees, all the way up through corporate um, to 5,000 employees. So we've got a, a big scope that we span, um, and then we have uh, an enterprise organization that focuses on the 5,000 and above. So our solutions really do work 
uh, for customers of all shapes and sizes in, in many industries. Um, as you can imagine, financial services, healthcare, these are ones that we focus heavily on because there's a big need to keep uh, data safe. Um, but really, every organization has a need for, for what we're offering. So uh, we're happy to help people provide solutions. Yeah, I mean, you're in a really interesting market that, I mean, every day there's a, something new that you have to figure out how you help people with. So I'm, I'm really interested getting into how you help your customers and this thing that's become so, so important. But before yeah. we do, I really love your history. I love your story. You have a pretty unique uh, uh, story that got you into sales and then, and then into sales leadership. Would you just take a few minutes and share with our listeners a little bit about you and what got you to sales and ultimately how that landed you at Carbon Black? Yep, definitely. I'll, uh, I talk pretty fast anyway, but Good, it's, I love been it. kind of, it's been kind of a crazy career. Um, so I'll just try to, I'll try to cram it into a minute or two. Um, I had started in theater. Actually, I was a theatrical lighting designer and had moved to New York right out of college and built my own business and, um, and was, was loving doing that until I met my husband and kind of wanted to make a career change and went back to business school thinking that I would go back into producing theater, but uh, kind of one thing led to another. I ended up getting involved with a, a small startup, a, a corporate venture that um, a woman I'd met in business school had proposed to me and loved that. Um, that got me introduced to the retail industry, and then I transferred those skills and got a job at, at Staples and started working there in finance, actually, which is what I had studied um, in business school. Um, hmm. So loved working at Staples, was there for a number of years and worked my way from finance into strategy and, and marketing and um, ended up in the sales division there and really felt like that was where I, uh, that was where I belonged. Um, so I had started um, working with the sales org from a strategic perspective, so doing a lot of um, data and analysis and trying to figure out kind of new pockets of growth and new ways to rejigger or reorg the teams to kind of get more out of them. and um, and through that, ended up being offered a sales leadership position and um, and just loved it. Just no looking back um, from there on. So left Staples to go into the tech sector because I'm kind of a techie at heart and was really drawn to a lot of the best practices and things that I've been learning about inside sales organizations from other tech uh, folks in the industry here in the Boston area. And um, had the, the pleasure of, of being asked to go work at LogMeIn and was there for a couple years and then um, received an offer to move here to Carbon Black. Uh, and I've been pretty um, fascinated by the entire cybersecurity industry for a long time. And with the total adjustable market, with the people in particular who I know I'd get to work with here, um, it was it was hard to say no, hard to say goodbye to Logmian, but not hard to say yes to Carbon Black. So super excited to be here. It's been about six months so far. Seven Those are some yeah. pretty iconic companies that you've worked with, aren't they? I mean, you've had a yeah. really interesting run where if we wanted to, we could probably break down like these lessons in a non, you know, if you look at the places you were at before it was like really just sales only, I would be willing to bet there are some really interesting lessons from each of those stops along the way that set you up for this. I, I love the stories that you must have because that's, that's a really cool, like even a logman, that's a great company right there. Yeah. Great company, great people. Like I'm always attracted to not only the, the product and the technology that you're selling, but just the people that you get to learn from and work with and um, crazy smart people at log me in. Um, and same here at carbon black. Like this yeah. is uh, a very intense organization and um, I, I just love what we're doing, but every day I learn something um, not only from my sales teams, but from folks in product marketing, 
um, this is a, it's just a really great place. And, and so, yeah, so the stories to me are always like related to the people, um, yeah. and, and kind of what you learn and how you grow. Um, and then how we, of course, use all that to, to service our customers. Well, the other thing that I noticed as I talked to you, and this is so common with so many sales leaders, you know, we, I, I find that so many of us, and I, I say us because this is my story, kind of accidentally involved in sales, didn't plan on it. It wasn't the plan when you started yeah. out, you know, accidentally involved, but then you fall in love with the, you feel like you're home. As I listen to you, like I, I found my way here, you know, and I love it now. Yeah. So, accidentally involved, intentionally, intentionally successful. And I think that now there's like 60 some odd schools where kids are, you know, people are going and getting their degree in sales. I, I, I have to think I, I would have liked to have that opportunity. You know, it's cool that that's what's happening now. You know, I'm the same way, but I don't know even if I'd been presented that if I would have chosen it because I'm not sure that you, I think when you find your way there accidentally, it's almost more meaningful. Um, I love that all the sales programs are springing up, especially because we hire a lot of SDRs and then groom them into quota carriers right. and you hire right. a lot yeah. of the college. It's great when they come with skills and an understanding of, you know, the different sales methodologies, et cetera. But um, so I think it just is going to make for a, a more empowered um, and more kind of smart out of the gate workforce for us longer term. Uh, but I, I love um, I think I have gravitated perhaps like you to a lot of folks who did just fall into it. And then the passion that you have for it as a result, because it's a career that you sort of worked your way toward. Um, it just runs like really deep, I think. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. I mean, with so many people that I talk to on here, when you hear their story, it's, it's, it's always unique to them, but it's like the same story. They found their way there, accidentally involved, yeah. fell in love with it, and now would not even think about doing anything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. So let's shift over to Carbon Black. You guys are, are doing amazing things. You're coming off a really amazing, uh, quarterly earnings call. Uh, it's not like we think we're doing well by every metric, you know, by every standard, you guys are, are doing amazing things right now. Uh, certainly taking what a high growth market would give and then some, which is the premise of our show. How do you take what the market gives and then some, but I, I have to think that being in a high growth market creates its own set of challenges. Uh, it's not just you roll the ball out. Well, we're in a total addressable market that's big and we'll just grow as the market grows. Uh, that's not what you're doing. Um, can you share a little bit, what are some of the challenges that happen when you're in a high growth world like that, that you have to be aware of so you can make sure that you not just have a leadership position, but you maintain it, right? I mean, you guys aren't just, you guys aren't just also ransom there. You guys are helping drive what's going on in a world that's changing. I got to say daily, Amy. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I guess like there's a couple of different ways I could approach that question. I think it's a really good one. Um, one, I mean, at Carbon Black here, it's all about the product, right, and what we're making and what we can create in terms of um, solutions that our customers really need uh, to keep their org organization safe. So um, our sales teams try to be as closely aligned as we can to product and making sure that we're kind of following along the roadmap and we understand every update that's coming and why. Um, and the updates are coming usually in response to kind of other, you know, market-driven forces and also just what's happening in the world of cyber. Um, but there's a lot of competition out there. So it's great for validation of the, just what that total addressable market is. The more, um, the more folks you got to compete with, kind of the more you need to stay on your game. Um, and I think each, there's a lot of great companies, right? But everybody is trying to do something in a unique way. And I think what we continue to evolve is with that product led growth, like making sure that we're evolving our tools and we're making sure that we can continue to provide things that will not only give us a competitive advantage, but will also give our customers something more, right? So we have 
over the last couple years moved our solutions to the cloud. So we initially were an on-prem solution and we do still offer on-prem solutions, which, uh, which is great because there's many customers who need those. But we also offer cloud offerings and this is where once you've moved somebody, migrated them to the cloud, you can continue to add different services for them um, that they may or may not need immediately, um, but they could use over time, or that out of the gate, it can help them with vendor consolidation into a single agent, so then they've got one place to go to keep multiple parts of their organization safe. So, um, so it's really fun because as things, we will always keep evolving and growing um, because attackers continue to evolve and grow. Um, and uh, we're pretty proud of the solutions that we have. It's very um, data driven and uh, we tend to, we collect like the most endpoint data that we can and then we help provide people the ability to keep their organization safe as a result. So I love it because it keeps us on our game um, just in terms of what the product is making, but then also with sales, we got to keep up, right? We have to understand like every time we have innovation that's happening or every time our competitor is innovating, we have to really understand you know, why is that happening? How do we either compete against it or how do we make sure that we work into our conversations if it's uh, something new that, that we've evolved? So I love to learn and uh, there is no shortage of that here because um, you just always got to be on and at the ready and enabled. Um, so we work really closely with our enablement team to, to make sure that we're feeding people the information they need. Our reps. Well, I'm listening to you right now and I'm, and you got, I think you said about 150 reps right now. Is that what you said? <laughs> Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you got 150 reps that every month at the least and maybe faster, there are nuances to the product that you need to be able to have more than casual understanding on. How do you do that? Yeah. So, um, that, that sounds like a big challenge because if, if you're current, then then you're going to be able to have competitive advantage. If you're behind, then that's scary stuff, right? Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's something that you just, um, we, so we have an incredible, um, sales enablement team here, um, and they absolutely help us, right? In terms of, um, providing, um, great resources, you know, battle cards, like all kinds of things that we would need to be up to speed and on top of stuff. And so that's very timely. Um, and, and that is helpful. There's a lot to, to kind of read and learn and do, right? So we have a lot of internal places where we post content for people to help keep them up to speed. We have a great um, competitive team internally that helps. Uh, they join, you know, staff calls and they'll join um, meetings that each of our managers hold to make sure we understand what's going on. Um, we also have a great sales engineering team here who helps us on our game, right? So they they also keep up to speed with much with uh, a lot of the deeper technical stuff that is changing. So that depending on who we're talking to on our calls, we can um, you know pull in a, a sales engineer um, as needed to get really um, just in depth if we need to, very, it's a very technical conversation. Um, but there's a, there, the expectation is that everybody who works here is also interested in that, right? Like this is not a place to come and learn the pitch and then just make a hundred dials. Like you, you won't be able to keep up, um, because the pitch will change and, um, and we don't even think of it as a pitch, right? It's just more of a conversation and the conversation is going to change and evolve. We learn stuff from our customers. It's actually, um, we have a lot of collaboration between what we're hearing from our, customers and what we're then feeding to the product teams about other things that are going on out in the marketplace. Um, and then we also have a whole community of our customers that actually shares a lot of information through um, some different, you know, online portals and um, stuff that we can kind of keep tabs on so we can see where their conversations are evolving and make sure that we understand that. So um, I think in working here, if I think about like the 150 people who are um, 
who I'm, you know, just really proud are on this team. Um, we are all uh, just like consume vast amounts of information. That that's part of like why we come to work every day. Does that does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I just wrote down two things that I now want to I want to start that. It never takes long on this show because I get such smart people like you that I can tell you're going to have some depth. I can't wait to go here. So the first thing that I'll ask you about it sounds like that you have a team that that. You know, sometimes I get people that say that people are resistant to change. It sounds to me like in the world you're in and the team you have, uh, your, your reps, your people that are talking to customers that are talking to prospects, do they have an expectancy that change is part of who we are and what we do? And change is actually a positive thing because it means that we're leading the charge. Can you, can you talk about yeah. how they, what's their perspective of change as it relates to their job as a salesperson? Yeah, hundred percent. So the um I think there we're because we're we've been in, you know, high growth mode for a long time, there's just a lot of change that happens as a result of that, right? So and that could be changed from your job role. Like maybe you're an SDR one day and then the next week you get asked to move into a quota carrying role and then maybe you're gonna be a team lead. Like there's just been a lot of kind of career progression and movement as a result as we've kind of scaled and grown the teams over the years. So that's fun change, right? Like people love that kind of growth and movement. Um and then there's also this change of the product set. So we've made, um, there have been a few acquisitions over the years. And as that has happened, the um, the suite of offerings changes, right? So people get that kind of adaptation, like how you have to learn to do those things. But um, I think, so that is another way that change is very, you know, it's normalized here. Um, but then I think also we're in a market that is so changing and that people get that you've got to, you have to be agile and nimble as an organization. So our product teams also have to be able to shift either roadmaps or strategies based on what we're we're seeing and how we need to adapt the products in order to be able to, um, you know, to help the customers stay safe um, ultimately. Mm. Um, so I, I would say that change is pretty normal around here. I think it is in most, I would, at least most of the companies I've worked for, but definitely the high tech companies where they're on a growth trajectory. Um, you just have to be ready for that. And, uh, I welcome it. Um, and I certainly, you know, having started here six months ago, I came in brand new. I had some ideas for ways that we could do things, things that I've seen work before. And I implemented some change, right? And um, everybody was like, let's go. Let's do it. Like nobody was wow. resistant to anything I put forward. Yeah, it was really, um, it's an amazing team here. Um, but they've been super receptive to trying new things because um, there's just always, there's always more to learn and more to do and, and better ways to compete. So, um I uh, I think it's just another good reason why it was a good cultural fit for me. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with change. I tend to kind of run toward it, and um, I have plenty of opportunities to do that here. <laughs> no, that's see, that's that was the first one. Is what's the so? Let me one last because I have three things now. You just said another one. There's three things that from that one, <laughs> and so back on change. What would you say as you think about because like you said, you have a, a an interesting history. It's six months at Carbon Black, but I'm interested in your total perspective on this one. There's going to be some people listening and say, well, that's pretty cool. You're in an environment, but you kind of have to because you're, it's hard work staying ahead of the bad guys. And if you're selling the same thing next year that you're selling this year, then yeah, of course you're, you're going to be behind. You just have that advantage built in because of your market. Are there anything you could say that leaders can do to help create a culture where change is expected? There's got to be things mm -hmm. that leaders can do. It's not just a byproduct of the market, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I agree. Yep. Um, yeah. The so having been through um, even when I was at Staples, I mean that was an, an organization that was changing in response to 
market demands, and not the least of which is that people weren't buying and consuming as much paper as they used to, right? So there was just this ongoing, like, we got to change, we have to adapt. Um, and I think even in that space where it was very challenging change and, and difficult, um, the having just open lines of communication around it and talking about it, and then also making sure that people understand how they feel when they're going through change, right? So it could be bad, it could be, you know, it could be positive, it could be negative. Um, maybe you like break out in hives or maybe you actually get really happy and comfortable <laughs> in it. Like yeah. you just got to know because change is going to happen. And so then you need to know like what do you either, you know, physically and emotionally do as you go through that. Um, some people might be able to just flip a switch and be like, I'm good. Another person might say, I need a couple of weeks to think this through. But at the end of two weeks, they're like, I'm good. Like you just have to know where you fit and how you respond to change. Um, mm. Because not the end result is could be the same, right? Like it's not there's neither it, it being even a little bit resistant or just slower to process is not a bad thing, um, but not being unaware of how you go through it, I think is a bad thing. Um, so I've I've had folks that I've managed before who were like, yep, you know, you can tell it to me, then I need to go think about it, and then like a few days later I'll come back to you and we'll talk about it, and uh, that's what I need. And I'm, I'm, I can ha easily say, like, great, that's great. You know what you need. Here's how we'll go through the, you know, talking about any changes. Um, and then I have other folks who are no, who, who just say, lay it on me. Like, let's go. We'll, we'll mix it up, you know, starting the minute I get back to my desk. Um, so I think just being aware and have, and keeping the dialogue open and talking about it as change, not trying to hide it. Yeah. It's interesting because I find, and we work with, we are a company at excellent. We work with companies in 19 countries around the world. And one of the things that we help them do is help reps change. And, and we measure how change averse or change open are they. And, and it's interesting yeah. because there's a lot of people that say, I'm hitting my number, leave me alone. And what they don't realize is if you're not willing to change, it's pretty hard to become a leader because every company has to change. And, um, and I, I, that's why I was interested to hear you say that because uh, I think that a lot of individual contributors think that the only thing they're asked to do is hit a number and change only matters to keep current with the market. But if you can be open to changing and developing and molding your career, it opens up all kinds of things to you. And it seems like you've done a pretty good job of doing that personally. And that would make is probably in part why you've been able to do so well in helping others do that. Is, is that like a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think that's fair for sure. I think, um, you know, every time that I've made a big career change, um, either from moving to a different company or moving it like into a different function, um, you know, it always comes with a certain amount of like the little bit of the pit in your stomach, right? A little bit of fear, but I actually, I kind of get excited by that. Like I'm, I enjoy it, um, because then you got to find your way out, right? You have to figure it out. And, um, part of the way that I figure things out and kind of get through changes is by, um, connecting with other people and, and I asking other people to help, right? Which is not easy for everybody to do, especially not earlier career folks. Um, but the minute you can say like, you know what, I don't know how to do this and I need help. I need, uh, you know, a mentor or I need some kind of either personal coach or whatever it is to get me through stuff. Um, I think the more, once you figure out how you get through change, I think the easier it is to run toward it. Um, and I have a, a couple different ways that I, I know that I learn and learn well. Um, and so when I have made changes, I just rely on those, you know, some of it, they're like tactics um, to help me figure, figure stuff out. And uh, I know there's a positive thing on the other side of it. Love it. So let's go to the second one. I told you I'd written three things down just from that one okay. statement. So the second thing that I noticed is that you talked about is like 
the people that are successful there are the people that have an interest or a passion in what you do. Now, that seems to make a ton of sense because you were talking about willingness to change. Well, the reason I'm willing to change is I love this. I eat this up. It's fun for me. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of making sure that you have people and, or finding people or tapping into that passion? I want to learn a little bit more about that, about your perspective on why having a genuine interest or passion for what you're actually talking about becomes so important. Yeah, well, especially when you're um, running inside sales teams, when you're talking to somebody over the phone, like it's got to come through on the phone, right? And sometimes that comes through either just vocally, right, like the the dynamics of your voice. But another way that it can come through is because you just know so much detail about the product that you almost, anytime somebody says, oh, well, I'm having this issue or that, that you can just rattle off like five or six different ways that, you know, our solutions could help solve that. Or you might have five or six different questions because you want to dig a little bit deeper and further understand. Um, and I think the folks on the team here, they love to do that digging, right? They love to have um, crazy complex conversations with customers about their um kind of their security maturity and, and where they are and how uh, we can help them, but also just how we can learn more about what they're doing. Um, and I think there's different ways to hire for that, but I do think it's essential. Um, and one thing is just to ask what people, you know, what do you do for fun? Like just have somebody describe to you um, something they're pretty passionate about. And yeah. then once they've done, they're in that kind of mindset, then start asking them some questions about either the last job they had or, um, if they have already, if they have selling experience, you know, how they approach selling. And you can see if the light bulbs are going off the same way, right? If their eyes are lit up or if they're, um, physically like as, as excited or animated, um, if you're with them in person, uh, as when they were talking about something they love to do. Um, and I think that we, through no, not, you know, not through scientific methods, but I think we've found a way to hire that here. Um, because when you walk the floor and you hear people, having conversations with customers, and some of them can be challenging, right? If you're trying to overcome a competitor, or if you're trying to help explain why we think our offering is more advantageous, um, you can feel the passion, right? Like yeah. that's, that's the beauty of an inside sales floor. Like you're firing me up right now. I listen to you. You're getting me fired <laughs> up. I'm like ready to start pacing around as we have this conversation. And, <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. But but I love how you said that. I want to go back to your tactic because I was going to ask you, are there any tactics on how do you make sure you're getting people with passion? And you said one of my favorites. I, I When I interview people to join our company here, um, I never really participate in the are you qualified? Our team does that. But I like to meet everyone before they join our company. And I really only ask one question. Tell me what what you get excited about because we want passionate people. And if you can't be excited about something outside of work, I got news for you. There ain't no chance you're going to be excited about what goes yeah. on at work. <laughs> right. I mean, right. false. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also, yeah, like I love the, you know, what do you do for fun or what do you get excited about? But also just um, asking, you know, ask somebody to tell you, like, tell me about uh, just a really good day or a really great week at work. Mm. Like, you know, you're driving home, you just feel like I kicked butt. Like what, like, what is it? What do you do? And, and it's amazing. There's no, like, clearly no right or wrong answer to that, but it's just amazing what people will say. Like the first few things they think of, um, those are the things where you're like, okay, that's what they're going to be really good at. Um, yeah. I love yeah. it. And, and, and then the, I'll take it to one more step, and I'm really interested to take your take on this. And this is a little different. We're, you and I are talking about salespeople, so salespeople hopefully have some kind of motor that runs. But I'm thinking about an, a candidate that was going to join our company. Again, we, we do sales coaching, and we help uh, sales leaders help reps do better. And 
this was an engineering job. And I th- I'm really interested to hear your take on this one. So I was interview, I was meeting this person that our dev team was saying, Hey, we want this person. And, and I was like, so, so what do you do for fun? I was having this, what do you get excited about? And, and we were talking about it. And I said, the reason it's so important is, you know, we get really excited about helping organizations sell more, do better, et cetera, et cetera. And he looked at me right in the eyes and he said, well, just so you know, I'll never be excited about, like topics like sales coaching. I just, if your company's cool and I feel like it's a good place to work, then I'll bring my development talents, but I don't think I'll ever be excited about that. And I immediately stopped the meeting oh, wow. and said, you should leave. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would hundred percent agree. Yeah. I mean, you want everybody to be all in, right? Yeah. Um, especially when you're yeah. growing. Something. I mean, there's plenty of big, big corporate jobs where you don't have to be passionate about the product right? and, uh, but that's yeah, that's not that's not what you're doing. That's not what I'm doing. So. I went to my CTO that's, and said, "Find me another guy." He's like, "But he's so good." I said, "He's not us, so I don't want him." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that culture thing. Like that's what it comes down to, right? Like that's how you um that's how you know if it's going to be a good fit. I think they got to be fired up. Right. So let's go to the next one. So third one that I wrote down is you joined when you joined uh, Carbon Black. It, it wasn't that long ago. And you didn't come to a company that was a company in trouble and you're here to do a turnaround. You joined a high performer that was already kicking more than its share of ass, right? And yeah. Yeah. What's the challenge when you come to a high growth situation and you're there to continue to not just grow fast, but accelerate growth? What's the balancing act when you grow, when you join something where you said, I came with ideas on how to change? But you also don't want to be like, we're going to throw away something that's good. I mean, there's got to be an interesting balancing act. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's part of that, like, don't screw it up, right? (laughs) But (laughs) but also, like, find the opportunities to layer something over that you think would be additive to what already, um, what was already there. So, um, I, I had learned a lot about the teams through the interview process, but also, also through the, the COO who I report directly to. Um, and I, and just from what he had said to me, I felt like there were opportunities that I thought I'd be a good fit for, right? Opportunities to just kind of like step on the gas a little bit in a few areas. And, um, so the, I came in, um, really just with the intention of getting to know the teams and getting to know in, in much more detail, like the market and the competition, um, and all that. So I had a lot to learn, but I spent the first, um, I spent at least the first 30 days just observing, <clears throat> sitting in on as many customer calls as I as I could, sitting in on all the team meetings, doing roundtables with folks, and really just um, kind of taking the pulse and um, understanding what the culture was like. And um, through that, it solidified a few things that I had, had thought about. Hey, here's an opportunity for us to do a little more here. And um, there were some there's some specific ways that I like to um, manage pipeline. Right. So I wanted to have consistent forecasting methodology across all the teams and. We didn't have that. We have a couple of locations. We've got um, some folks out in Boulder, um, a lot of people here, and, you know, every, people are hitting their numbers, but we, we weren't rolling off a forecast in the same way. So I wanted to do some standardization of the processes, especially as we get ready for more growth, um, and had to kind of navigate through that, right? Like I wanted to introduce um, just some new ways of doing things. Yeah. People were 100% receptive to it, and I actually believe it helped us have an even better Q1 than we could have had otherwise. Um and then also um, there were, because of the way the teams were structured, we were um, doing some things differently just with regards to our activity metrics. So the things that we were going to commit, you know, to each other that we're going to do and the just SLAs around like what we're going to commit to the marketing team about how fast we're going to call the leads, like all that stuff. Um, I just wanted it. I'm a big like process. I wanted it documented. I wanted to just say like, yep, this is what we're going to commit to. Um, and then we can measure ourselves against that. Um, and then once you figure out what those are, 
and look at kind of the conversion rates between each. You know, maybe you don't need to make as many dials as the next guy yeah. um, because you have a better close rate or because you're, you, you're really good at qualifying out and you keep your pipeline like really clean. Um, but until we set like a baseline, I didn't feel like we would, we could know how to coach from there. And so that was a, a journey that I kind of went through with, with the managers. And over the course of Q4, we figured some stuff out and then we rolled some things out top of Q1. We just tweaked it for top of Q2, like what we think, um, that kind of formula for success is here. And, um, and I believe that that's really important, especially as we prepare for future growth, because when you bring people in, you want to make sure that they actually understand kind of the nuts and bolts of the job. Um, as well as what we, you know, aspirationally want them to do, but we should be able to give people that, that blueprint, right? So, um, so it was changes like that. Like that. it wasn't like wildly that. thrilled, you know, yeah, we weren't like saying like, no, we're not going to sell that way anymore. And now we're going to use Sandler or we, it wasn't like, wasn't wild changes. It was yeah. just tweaks, enhancements to, um, a lot of good stuff that was already happening here. So that's a natural transition to one of the things that I was hoping to spend a little bit. I can't believe that we're, I just, I, people, when I get great leaders like you, the time goes so fast. Um, I, I'm really interested in your leadership blueprint. So one of the things I hear you talk about is diagnose before you prescribe, which I think is great. That's kind of the way I wrote down what you just talked about is you know, don't come in and tell people and you're diagnosing and then tweaking, diagnose and tweak. As you join a high growth company that you want to make sure stays in high growth, because those are two challenges. Sometimes people tell us how to get into high growth. Your mission and what you're here to do is make sure that we maintain or even accelerate the growth rate, right? Is that, is that a fair thing yep. to say? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So first thing on that I put down is, okay, so we're diagnosing before we prescribe. Anything else that you would say are like of the top two or three things that are in your blueprint for success? Things that yeah. sales might want to consider doing to, to steal from the Amy, uh, <laughs> blueprint? So I don't know if it's anything unique, but, um, but uh, I certainly believe in just a real disciplined approach. So creating that repeatable sales process so similar to what um, I was just talking about in terms of the, you know, the activities and the conversion rates and stuff. So knowing all of that so that you know when things are off, like if the leads change or if, you know, a manager leaves or, uh, or a rep gets, you know, promoted something um, that you can then know like, okay, that's going to have a downstream impact two, three weeks from now on pipeline build, et cetera, et cetera. So understanding like all the, kind of the data behind the, what you're doing um, and having Can I ask a, real a question about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Process. I think process like the great leaders run to it, not from it. And I've learned that if you're not running to it, the best you'll be as average at best. So I'm not surprised yeah. to hear you say that first. However, process for other people, they say, yeah, process is this word that I don't even know what it means. Is there like a most common thing that you want to, get right like what's the one thing that people miss in process that you say whatever you do don't miss this is there something top of mind that you might say well to me like once you've laid it out you can forecast accurately hmm. and cool. i think being able to forecast with a really high level of precision is an incredible skill for anybody to have rep manager Love director it. vp because that that's what you can provide to your cro your coo your ceo um, like that's the value you can bring when you can really accurately forecast. It's a lot easier to go to the CFO and ask for something, right? If you have been consistently delivering your number and unless you're doing all the other things, I don't think you can forecast. And that, that's some with accuracy. And that's as easy to explain to a rep as like, you know, do you want, yes. do you want to make? Like you can yes. easily relate that to like, what's your, what are you trying to make? Like this month, this quarter, are you trying to go to clubs? Um, if you can figure out your pipeline and if you can figure out what the activities feed into it, um, like, you know, collect data about yourself, like in the same way that you do with how many steps do you take? Um, it's just the same thing. 
Um, so I believe all of that process leads to being able to accurate, uh, accurately forecast, um, which makes you extremely valuable. Um, yes. Yeah. I love that. That's a great answer. And I'm glad you went there because people that don't understand process, you, you, the people who don't understand it, or sometimes people are, are, you know, we, we, we beat them with data, right? And that's why people get, ex- they get like frustrated when we start talking about process. That's yeah. boring. No, well, I like, you just fired me up again. You, you're getting me like continuing like motivated <laughs> because we're going to make it. So if, if process is about having forecast accuracy and forecast accuracy, again, that can be taken the wrong way. They're like, well, you just want to look good for your boss. No, I want you to be hitting whatever goals you have for yourself. So you use yep. process to individualize. That's how I'm reading what you, as I listen to you, process helps you individualize. Is, is that right? I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's the way I was interpreting what you're saying is, is you get buy-in from your reps because how else can you individualize if you don't have a, a framework to work from, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Um, yeah. And then it also, so once you've got that down and then once you know, like, okay, this is how I'm going to generate, you know, my number, um, then you can say, okay, how am I going to do 120%, 140%? Like, how am I going to do right. more? Um, right. and, um, and then I think that lets you, I think another thing that I like to think I do as a leader is not only kind of do the role to please like operate at that, you know, hands on level, um, but also think strategically about the business. And so when you understand exactly what you're doing in terms of the process and what you're able to deliver as a result of it, you can then say like, well, maybe I've got some gaps. Like I'd like to have higher qualified leads or I'd like to be able to do some, you know, have some other kind of conversation with the product team or make sure that I'm bringing the sales engineer at the right time. If you have your process down, it's easier to go to other folks and ask them to collaborate with you at helping you at different um, stages in your process to improve. Um, and that can happen at the individual rep level, at the manager, you know, all the way up to um, kind of the way I'm trying to lead. Um, so that's another thing for me, I think, I guess, is kind of figure out how to improve upon your own process by leveraging other folks cross-functionally within the organization and getting them kind of excited about it, too. That's another really good thing for the blueprint. Is there any, like, one final or two things? Or Those are three good ones, but is there anything else that says kind of top of mind that helps you have success in not just getting into high growth, but staying there? Well, I'll, I'll just give a shout out to anybody who's working to build diversity within their teams. Um, you know, all kinds of diversity at all levels like that for me has been, um, just an incredible part of just my career. The, the exposure that I've gotten to other folks, um, and different ways of thinking, um, is, is just, is huge. So, and I do think that it, it pays off in spades, um, just for in terms of the culture that you create and then also the business result. Um, no so doubt. that, I think that would be, that's something that I definitely, uh, I think about a lot um, and work toward. Love it. These are good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at myself because we're just, we're running out of time and, mm-hmm. um, and it happened faster than I thought it would. Uh, diagnosing good process, improving by benchmarking and tying into other people, uh, diversity in teams and creating a culture of change. That's, that's really what is speaking to me as I listen to you. Like, like change is good and we're not going to like be buzzword about it, but we're committed to the improvement of life for our customers. We're committed to the improvement of life for our reps. We're, we're fired up about it because it's, it's good things happening. I love it. Um, I want to go into the rapid fire part here at the end. Now I just, you know, the, th- right. way, the three things that we hit everybody at the end with uh, number one, biggest leadership challenge you've had to face and how do you face it down? 
Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think for me, um, having not, um, you know, carried a bag, right, so I, I was never an individual quota c contributor. Um, I think that I, I just found my way into sales leadership through a different different path, but I think that this means I need to um, work really hard in every role to make sure that I establish that credibility um, from the ground up. So I, I spend a lot of time um, with, with reps and with managers um, in particular, just making sure that I really understand what's going on. Um, and I like to understand all the details of the job because uh, I want to help. Pe I want people to know that I'm there to help them, um, you know, kind of remove obstacles um, and make their lives easier, and just and help them be more productive. So I think that's mm -hmm. something that I um, I often come back to. But again, um, just got to own it, right? Um, I have a different bring a different set of skills um, to the game, and um, as long as I can understand and empathize uh, what it's like to carry a quota and try to hit that individual number. Each week and month, um, it helps me where I'm trying to roll up that number um, and hit it each each week and month and quarter. I gotta think you've taken that challenge and turned it into a strength, though, because now you probably are on extra high alert to understand what's the unique goals and what's the unique circumstances and how can you best help them. Is yeah. that a fair thing? It sounds to me like you're yeah. probably like, it's like, uh, this is going to sound bad. So forgive me if it's a bad analogy. It's almost like when someone has lost one of their senses, the other ones become more heightened. If that makes sense. If oh, I, I love the way you explain that. Yeah, no, I like thinking about it that way. Yes, if I, I would agree. Yeah. If I'm blind, mm -hmm. then my sense of hearing gets better and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's yep. I, I, well, like I said, I didn't carry a bag. I'm not going to tell you that I woke up and did that every day and I haven't sold this product, but because of that, I'm going to help you with these other sets of skills that you referred to and, and developing those skills. That's an awesome way to address that challenge. I love that. Nobody said that on our show yet. And so oh, cool. sharing that. Mm -hmm. um, second one, we found that leaders are readers and it doesn't matter if it's books, audibles, podcasts, blogs, whatever. Um, what are some of the things that you might recommend to our listeners? Because there's a lot that aspire to be, uh, running sales in a publicly traded high growth company like yours. Anything that's helped you develop those senses that we just alluded to? Yeah, uh, there's a couple that I kind of always come back to. I'm a huge reader. I've got to always have a stack of books by the bed. Um, right now there's a ton of cybersecurity ones, but, um, but just some of the classics, uh, for sales and sales management for me. Um, first one is that cracking the sales management code. So this is a great one. Jason Jordan. To, love it. Yeah. Great book. Um, just tying those metrics to, um, it's, I just love it. Um, and then it's your ship, um, is just another one that, which is really just awesome from a, um, management philosophy and perspective. And it also kind of breaks down like different ways to lead your team, especially to lead teams through change. That's a great one. And then, um, one that I, um, I have found very helpful when it comes to kind of setting OKRs is the measure what matters, the John Doerr. Um, yeah. but gosh, anything by Patrick Lencioni, like I, I just, yeah, I, I'm a huge reader. Yeah, those are good ones. We'll get them in the library. Get those up. That those are fantastic. You've been amazing, Amy. The third way we finish everything is always the same, and it might be the most important for our leaders. I want to first thank you. You've been fantastic. Your passion is amazing. Uh, you, you know, you you give me new definition for the sixth sense. Now that's that's how we always think of you as a sixth sense person. <laughs> and and um, uh, how do they get more of you? People that want to get more of what you're doing. I know you you're passionate about different causes. You know, like diversity and women in, in tech and and carbon black. If they want to learn more about carbon black, they want to get connected with you. They want to continue this conversation. How do they do that? How do they connect you? How do they find you? How do they get more of what you're laying down? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn, just Amy Appleyard. Um, and then my email address here is aappleyard at carbonblack.com. We've got a great website, carbonblack.com. Um, 
Um, and uh, there's lots of information on there, and we're also leveraging this really awesome, cool um, tool called Drip. So a chat will pop up if you want to actually learn more about, um, you know, our company or our products. One of my folks is happy to respond to a chat, um, <laughs> but you can also, you, you can also just reach out to me directly. You're amazing. She's got the sixth sense. She's uh, <laughs> she's throwing gas on a fire that's already burning bright. Congratulations to your success. Excited to see the success that's coming. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. And as I always say, happy selling. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And Amy's someone that I've been watching for a while. Amy was someone that I was really excited to get on the show. And after having that conversation, I was really glad that we made that one happen. And I think that the very end of that episode really sets up why she's so successful. When she said that, hey, I didn't carry a bag, but I still need to be relatable and effective in leading these people. And we had that sixth sense conversation. And I thought that was super insightful because I think sometimes as sales leaders, uh, it's very common for the sales leader to be someone whoever was the most successful salesperson, they get promoted. And one of the reasons that doesn't work is they are not, as John Barrow says, a paint-by-number salesperson. They were just really successful, and if you ask them why they were successful, they have a hard time telling you what it was. I always give John credit for that. I love that. It's it's such a great way of thinking of it, all these Picassos that can't teach anyone how to paint. But Amy said, hey, I came in here to help these people be successful, and me not having had that experience of being the person that, that carried the bag re required me to develop these other skills and be very successful with them, and she's absolutely doing it. And you don't have to look any farther than how well Carbon Black's doing. Uh, they've had some great earnings releases. She's a big part of why that's happening. And I wrote down, there's really three things that her sixth sense uh, mentality, you know, I, I'm always going to refer to her as my sixth sense guest, her sixth sense mentality has her doing three things so well that she's a fantastic sales leader that every every single sales leader could learn from. And so the first one was her approach to change. Um, because she isn't threatened by this is how we've always done it, this is how I did it, this is how you should do it, um, they're in there saying, okay, let's roll. We're, we're just going to make sure that what, whatever it is we're doing, we're going to get better. You know, the way we did it yesterday doesn't necessarily mean we're gonna, how we're going to do it tomorrow. And, and I like that because she's in an industry that requires change. And so there's an element of the product always changing as they keep up and keep ahead of the bad guys. And so as a result, change is part of what's going on. But I, I didn't get the feeling that that's why that they do that. I, I got the feeling that culturally, Amy's intentionally bringing people in here that say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do that. One of my favorite parts of that interview is when she said, I came and said, we're going to do these three things or whatever the things were. And they said, let's go. So my question to you is, do you have let's go moments when it's time to change? Do your reps and the members of your team say, hey, we're in, let's go? That is a really good litmus test on, on what kind of impact you're able to have as a leader. It's one thing to be a babysitter. It's one thing to be what I call the, the guardian or the protector of the quota, right? I'm the manager that's going to get us to quota. Um, so, so I thought that was really insightful, and that, that insight made me stop and think. I went back and listened to her a couple times. She had one really good comment that I think everyone should listen to when she said, when she connected with people that could help me see through stuff. That, that was the quote. You know, Who's helping you see through stuff? Because once you see the way through, then you can run to it. 
I go back and listen to that because, and then stop and pause and think about who's helping you do that. You know, who is your Sherpa? Uh, I, I, I have a friend, Don Cash, who's right now climbing Everest, and, and the Sherpas help them get to the top. And he's still got to do the climbing, but they have people that help him get there. Who are your Sherpas? Who are you a Sherpa for? You know, I, I think that's important. That's, that was the first one is, is what, how good are we at getting people to change? Are we measuring change? Are we identifying who's changing? You know, there's all these things that you can change. And, and honestly, the greatest leaders are the best at helping people want to change. And that's a conversation that every sales leader needs to have. Next, passion. It can't be faked. We've talked about this before. That's a very common theme. Um, but again, I'm going to come back. If you don't have that love, that passion for what you're doing, find something else to do. Don't just do what you have to do. Do what you want to do because that will fuel your desire to change. Um, I, I just love it. You know, you'll follow if you her her blueprint will make a lot more sense to you if you say, "Am I really fired up about what I do?" And that takes you to the last one. How relatable are you? I really loved her approach to coaching. She's she's a great sales coach. Um, we could have spent a lot more time on that. Uh, but I think it came down to her use of process and metrics were not there to set standards of work ethic. And it was not there to say, you know, you're either above the line or below the line. She uses those things to create individual blueprints because she's the freaking Sherpa for those people. And so she made it really clear this isn't about having kind of a clone army of everyone doing the same thing. She made it really clear that I use this to forecast individually where you're going to be, and then we tweak. Coaching, she said, isn't about massive change. It's about talk and tweak, talk and tweak, talk and tweak. And um, and I, I thought that was awesome. Uh, in fact, what I wrote down was um, it's the personal forecast for an individual's awesomeness. So here's my challenge to you. Can you really draw a picture? Can you really show your reps what does awesome look like? Because the better you are at, at showing individually what awesome looks like, not institutionally, but individually, here's what your definition of awesome is, because this is going to get you to a place that matters to you, that's when you're going to start having that kind of success. So stop being the protector of the quota and start being the architect of awesomeness. And you will start having the kind of success that Amy Appleyard has had at Carbon Black. I want to thank Amy for joining us. I would encourage you to follow her. Um, I, I think she's doing great things. And, and I think that if we do that, if we start by asking ourselves, how do we build and establish credibility? No matter what our skill set is, we say, how credible am I to my team? You will very quickly be able to have them respond to change. You'll attract people that have higher passion. And ultimately, they'll respond when you start using metrics and process to create models of awesomeness for them because they'll believe your interest is to help them, not babysit them. Keep giving us those great uh, recommendations and those ratings on the podcast sites. Keep hitting me up with questions. We're going to start uh, having a new question in our podcast because we've had a common one show up over and over. Can't wait to have it show up uh, here soon. And as always, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. 
You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.